Welcome to the Hope Elam Podcast. We are a diverse church in the heart of Des Moines, seeking to bring God's kingdom as we live more like Jesus. We hope that what you're about to hear points you to Jesus Christ. Know that we're praying for you and look forward to connecting with you soon. Elam. Hey, powerful moments from the world of sports. Every single one of us longs for a champion. In a, in a, in a video that was made a few years ago, a few choice uh, teams and athletes uh, put in there as well, but there is no greater champion than that final scene, the empty tomb pointing to our champion, Jesus Christ. Amen. That's what we celebrate this morning. Every single one of us was designed to live a victorious life. Every single one of us was designed to live a life of victory. And there's two things that you need to live a victorious life, I believe. One of those is a champion, and you've got one. And number two is a great team. I don't know how some of the clips were chosen or some of the, the greatest teams. We, we left uh, some out of there. We put some others in. But regardless, I think when you view that... It's easy to look at some of those athletes. It's easy to look at some of the stars and the celebrities and think, well, that's what it's all about. It's all about them. And we forget that behind every great moment of victory was a great team. Every great moment of victory was a great team. And I'm just curious this morning, just to get your mind going a little bit, what are some of the greatest teams that you've ever been a part of? I'm curious, maybe it's from the world of sports, maybe it's identifying with one of those teams, maybe it's a, a club or a hobby or an activity or a, 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 some colleagues at work, maybe it's just a, a, a musical group or a band or something in creative arts, the people that you work with every week, and what was it about that team that caused you to go back again and again? What was the stickiness factor? What was it that drew you to that group of people again and again? Every single one of us was created for a team. And I believe that whether you found that group of people or not, all of us, for a lot of our lives, until we find it, we have a longing to be a part of a great team. Every single one of us will run around in our lives looking for that because we long for identity and for purpose. Every single one of you, whether this is your first time here this morning, and by the way, if it is your first time here, praise God for you. We love new people at Hope Elam. We're so glad that you're here. It's no accident that you're here. But whether it's your first time here or your hundredth time here, every single one of us was created to be, have a larger identity that we can be a part of and a larger place of belonging. But the reality is that a lot of us don't find that, and of all places, we don't find that in the church. Instead of being a part of a great team, something, something leaps in us when we see those scenes and our heart starts beating a little bit. I, I want to be a part of that. But if we're honest, we haven't found that. And of all places, for a lot of us, maybe you haven't found that in the church. We're starting a brand new series uh, today about American spirituality. And we're talking about concerning trends and reasons for hope. 
Believe it or not, when you hear the word trend, a lot of you think of, whoa, what's the latest fashion sense that's out there in the popular stores? Or what's the latest quirk or, or trend that's happening out on social media, on TikTok or Instagram? What are the, the latest trends that are out there? Well, believe it or not, that there's trends in the church as well. And over the next several weeks, we're not going to ignore those trends. We're going to confront them head on because some of them, well, they don't look so good on the church. They don't look so good on the bride of Christ. Believe it or not, the church is not perfect, and certainly not this one. If you're looking for a perfect church, you might want to look for another one because this isn't it. We don't take ourselves very seriously, but we take God and his word very seriously at Hope Elam. But if you look at the church and you start to peel back the layers, you realize that the church is broken and imperfect because it's full of broken and imperfect people. And so over the next couple weeks, we're going to look at some of those trends. And today, our trend is really highlighted as you look at that opening video. You might think it's all about the individual, but it's all about the team. But the reality is, is that you and I live in a different type of culture. We live in a different type of world that's not team-oriented, it's me-oriented. It's not us-oriented, it's me-oriented. Philosophers call it a hyper-individualized society. And this isn't anything new to 2022. This has been a part ever since the Enlightenment, Western civilization has elevated the individual to the forefront of society. And without even thinking about it, that's really infiltrated every area of our lives. There's a researcher and pastor, Reverend Wesley Michelson, recently wrote this. He says, when a majority of people put me at the center, their own prerogatives, their own judgments, their own desires, any group or congregation or church organization will wither and eventually implode. When all you hear is, have it your way, I don't even know. Is that the Burger King slogan still? I haven't checked. It's been a while since I've been to Burger King. But for a while, have it your way. And that defines our culture. Have it your way. Do what you want. Whatever feels good in the moment, have it your way. If somebody offends you or you disagree with somebody in our culture, then you just distance yourself from them and say, well, we can't be together. We can't be the family, and most dangerously, we can't be church together because we're different than each other. And so it's all about me and my wants and my needs and my desires. And then enter a rabbi from Nazareth who says this scandalous thing in Luke chapter 9. If you go to the next screen, Jesus says this. Let's read it nice and loud together. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life, for me, will save it. Isn't it interesting that the world and the culture that we live in is just screaming, it's all about you? And here we have our Savior, our God, our King, our leader, that says actually... Do you want to get filled up in this life? Do you want to be satisfied? Do you want to find real, true, and lasting satisfaction in the abundant life? Give yourself away. Give yourself away. Why does Jesus say that? Because a soul, your soul, my soul, any soul, any human being that's ever been created with a craving to serve that was put inside of you, you were created not to live for yourself, to be satisfied on self. Any soul with a craving to serve can't survive by only feeding the self. Jesus is saying, when you turn outwards, it's actually when you get your needs met. And so that's the world, that's a piece, that's a, a trend that we see, believe it or not, creeping into our faith sometimes, creeping into the church. And if we're not careful, it'll kind of distort the way that we view the church. Instead, when we line up trends, 
with God's word, we've got to come back to God's word and build our church on the foundation of what God says. And there's a couple key illustrations that God's, use, God's word uses to describe the church. The first one is in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 19. Let's read it nice and loud together. Paul says this, So now you Gentiles are no longer strangers or foreigners. You are citizens along with all of God's holy people. You are members of God's family. Who's Paul writing to? He's speaking to the church in Ephesus, one of the churches that he helped plant. And what does he tell them? The church is not like a family. You are a family. You have a new identity. You're a part of God's family. You are living in community and relationship to each other. Again, Paul goes on to write in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. He says this. Let's read it. All of you together are Christ's body, and each of you is a part of it. You are not like a body, you are a body, and Jesus is the head. And so the two key ideas that Paul, that come up again and again in the New Testament, used to describe the church, have nothing to do with individualism, and have everything to do with community. You are a family, Hope Elam. You are the body of Christ. And when the world keeps pushing you apart... God keeps pushing us together, amen, to say that you can be family. You are connected to each other. God is always moving us together. Two illustrations to help describe the church. And I don't know about you, but when I think about family and when I think about the body, it reminds me of all those scenes you saw in the opening clip. It reminds me of a great team. What do great teams have in common? Three things I believe that I want to look at today. Number one, great teams have a shared identity. Great teams have a shared ownership. And last but not least, great teams have a shared purpose. Families, bodies, teams all have these things in common. Number one, healthy teams, healthy churches all have a shared identity. Everybody say identity. How would you describe yourself to someone if they asked you if you couldn't talk about what you do? Do you know who you are apart from what you do or what you've accomplished? How do you know who you are apart from the things that you perform and the things that you produce and the things that you do? We need an identity that's bigger than ourselves. I am really excited for football season. It's been way too long. Any other football fans out there? Anybody? Okay. A few of you. Hasn't always been my favorite sport. Basketball's still there, but for some reason, when the leaves start changing color and it gets a little cooler, I'm like, I'm, I'm ready. I, I am so ready. And one of my favorite moments, believe it or not, in, in football games, if you watch the telecast, a little bit before the announcers are on and you see the teams spread across the field. And they're all in their different areas. you got the offensive line over here and the special teams and the receivers and the running backs. And then something happens. The coach blows their whistle or yells out, come on in, and they sort of rally together. And they all come together and they huddle up as one team. And sometimes they'll raise their hands and they'll put one up or something. We're number one or we're one team. And they'll come together and the coach will give them that little pep talk. And in that moment, it does not matter necessarily what their name is. It doesn't matter where they're from. It doesn't matter what the color of their skin. It doesn't matter where they grew up. It doesn't matter if they're churched or unchurched. It doesn't matter what high school they went to, if they were a star or not a star. In that moment, what matters is not the name on the back of their jersey. What matters is the team or the identity on the front of their jersey. Amen? In that moment, it does not matter where they come from. In that moment, it matters what's the larger thing that's drawing them all together. And it's not just for athletes, for those that are on the field. It's actually for all of us as well. 
If any of you have ever been to a large uh, sporting event, let's just hypothetically, have I mentioned I'm excited for football season? Hypothetically, let's just say that you're at, um, I don't know, you're over at Kinnick. You're in God's country. So let's just, it's a hypothetical, right? Let's just say you're there. I remember going there a, a couple times, and it always shocked me of how before there's a touchdown, you're kind of wedged in there and you're smashed into this older stadium and you're standing shoulder to shoulder, literally rubbing shoulders with people that you've never met. You don't necessarily like them. Some of them are a little strange. You don't know who they are or their background or where they've come from. You have nothing in common other than for the next three and a half hours, you are there and you're locked in on this shared identity that you have as a Hawkeye fan or whatever stadium you happen to be in. But the magic happens when they score that first touchdown and the crowd goes crazy and people are jumping up and down and they're giving high fives and they're spilling their drinks and their hot dogs and their popcorn. And literally I look around me and people are hugging complete strangers, people that they don't know. Woo! Awesome! Wow! Why are we doing that? Why are we so weird like that? Because we long for a shared identity. We long for something larger than us. And I'm just going to say this. This fall, there's going to be a lot of worship going on in a lot of college football stadiums across the country. Woo! Awesome! I'm just saying I haven't seen a ton of that in here recently. I haven't seen any chest bumps or anything like that at Hope Elam recently. So you're free to do that as the Spirit leads, just so you know. But it isn't interesting how we can go nuts there And we're a little reserved here when we're worshiping our Savior that rose from the dead. Everybody worships something. We long for a shared identity. We long for something larger to be a part of. And we find that in the bleachers. We love that in the stands. But in a culture that is increasingly more divided, I believe that a divided world is desperate for a unified church. I believe that's why what we're doing in our vision as Hope Elam is more important than ever. Because I believe that people absolutely... I believe that people are hungry and thirsty and they are longing for an identity that goes deeper than school colors, that goes deeper than whatever teams you're going to be cheering for the next couple weeks. They long for an identity that goes much deeper than that, that will last longer and that can satisfy our souls. And don't hear me wrong, when the teams come together and they huddle up, they don't abandon who they are. They're still individuals. They still bring everything that they are, their humanity, their color, their race, their stories, their background, all of that. And we want you to bring that to this team as well. But there is a deeper shared identity, and it's belonging to our Savior. This is what we read about in our scripture reading from 1 Peter today, and it goes a little something like this. Let's read it together from 1 Peter chapter 2. But you are not like that, for you are a chosen people. Once you had no identity as a people, now you are God's people. This is the identity that you're looking for. This is the one that will last. This is the one that will satisfy your soul. Everybody spends so much time running around in this life searching for who they are, and if they would only slow down, they would find the answer to that in whose they are. Amen? You are God's son. You are God's daughter. That will always be with you. That will never change. And again, what we're after in the church, don't hear me wrong, is not uniformity. We are not after sameness. (laughs) We are after oneness. In the midst of all of our differences, we bring that with us. We're not after a place where everybody looks the same and acts the same and talks the same way and votes the same way. And even in our differences, we find that there's something bigger 
that's uniting us. We read about the story of the early church in Acts chapter 4. If you go to the next slide, and we read this about the early church. All the believers were what? They were what? United. They were united in heart and mind, and the apostles testified powerfully to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. In other words, their diversity was not an obstacle. It was actually an asset. Christianity is the most multicultural movement in the history of the world. And how is that possible? Because whether it's the early church or us at Hope Elam in 2022, it is always about we and not about me. It was always about us. It was always about the community. It was always about the family, about the body. That's how Christianity spread like wildfire across the Roman Empire. Because it did not matter who you were, Jew, Greek, slave or free, young or old, rich or poor, man or woman. There is, there is a deeper shared identity. How is that possible for us here in 2022? Because we have colors that run deeper. We have an identity that runs deeper than a Hawkeye or a Cyclone or a Tiger or a Bulldog or you name it, even a donkey or an elephant because we worship the Lion of Judah, our risen Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen? That's our focus. And I don't know about you, but I'm not putting my hope for the future of Hope Elam on any one human on any one person or on a worship style or a style of church or a big, massive, beautiful building. I am putting my hope for the incredibly exciting future of Hope Elam in a Savior that is risen from the dead, that is our only hope both now and forevermore. Amen? That's where I'm putting my hope. That's where my allegiance is. It's not just a shared identity. Great teams, great families, all bodies, healthy bodies, all have a shared ownership together. In any of those ways, it's when every part, it's when every brother and sister and mom and dad and aunt and uncle and family member, every member of the team is ready to play. They care about the outcome of the game just as much as anybody else. Because you might think, oh, you know, I'm just a passive spectator, but you never know when from behind the altar, you might just get put in the game. And some of you are like, I'm just going to kind of, I've heard this before, I'm just going to kind of coast in. And you just never know when, when somebody might just get called into the game. You might think, ah, I'm just going to kind of sit in the bleachers today. I'm just a little bit more uh, on the bench. I, I don't want to do that. But you just never know when somebody might call you into the game. And there you are. And just waves right there. Give Wade a round of applause. There he is. You just never know. You might be sitting there and all of a sudden somebody just says, you're into the game. You got to go. You're, you're playing a key part in the game. Absolutely. Some of you are like, I'm not falling asleep in the sermon now. You just never know. <laughs> Thought about the balcony. Like to keep my job. Not going to do that, right? But every single one of us has been called to contribute. You are not a passive spectator as the church. You are the church. Scripture talks all about this, this shared ownership. Paul zeroes in on it in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 16. Let's read it nice and loud together. From him the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Every healthy team, every healthy family, every healthy body can't function unless every part says I, I got I to pull my weight. I, I got to get in there. I got to play my part. I got to be ready to catch the ball in case it's thrown to me. The U.S. hockey team, if the goalie doesn't stop goals that day, well, we don't have the miracle on ice. Michael Jordan was an incredible athlete, but 
He needs a team. By your side, he has one of the greatest teams ever. If every player on the Cubs isn't getting hits and the pitchers aren't pitching and the subs aren't coming in and the, all the other players coming in off the bench aren't contributing as well, there is no championship. These are incredible moments. These are amazing memories, moments in history that you saw in that opening clip. But the reality is, is that for a lot of them, there were thousands of people in the bleachers. There were millions of people watching online. And only a few chosen people that actually got to play the game. And that is a beautiful picture of sports. And it is a terrible analogy for the church. Because every single one of us has been called to get in the game. In contrast, in our reading today, Peter gives us a very different picture of what it looks like to be the church. Continuing on in verse 9, he says this, you are a chosen people. You are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession. Now, just a little context there. We read that and go, well, that sounds interesting. I thought priests were like pastors and ministers and leaders, and they absolutely are. But if you're a first century Jew and you're reading that from the history of Israel, you know, a priest, those are like the real special people, you know, that have special access to God and they go into the Holy of Holies and they're allowed to go further beyond the veil in the temple and they're the ones making the sacrifices. They're the ones with special access. They're the ones that have access to the presence of God and the power of God moving in their lives and then there's everybody else. This is a scandalous statement by Peter. And as we launch into this new season as a church, as we launch into this new fall season and you're thinking about what does it mean to be the church, you are a part of the priesthood of all believers. What a scandalous statement. But if you think about it, the same power, the same spirit that rose Jesus from the dead lives in you today. Do not misunderstand or underestimate the power of Jesus Christ that is available to you today. Amen? It lives in you. <laughs> in a healthy church, everyone plays. All in. Everyone plays. Now, some of you might be sitting there reading that going, yeah, yeah, yeah. But Pastor John, I grew up in this background, in my church background. Whether you grew up in the church or not, I just have a, a very high view of the role of pastor. Of the role of priest, as Peter is talking about here. And we want you to know that's, that's good. It is a big deal. That's why today in this installation of Dr. Brown is a big deal. Because leadership is a high calling. And we take that very seriously. And we want to be leaders of this church that are people of integrity. Leaders that have earned that trust. That have earned that respect. It is a big deal. The church needs great leaders. But never at the expense of you stepping into your calling. The church needs great leaders, but never at the expense of you being the church. Rather, leaders are called to be the chief servants. How do we know that? The night that he was betrayed, Jesus was having the Last Supper, the Passover meal with his disciples. And he was thinking, how do I equip the church? How do I take these disciples from on the bench and get them into the game? How are they going to keep this movement going after I ascend back to my father? How am I going to equip them? And because he's the chief servant, the God of the universe realizes that the world is not changed by our opinions. It's changed by our example of who we are. 
and what we do when no one else is looking. Integrity. Being the chief servant, a servant leader. And the God of the universe gets down on his knees. And with a basin of water and a towel wrapped around his waist, he wipes the dirt and the grime off of the feet of his followers, a task that was designated for the, not just servants, not just the butler, <laughs> slaves. Jesus takes the lowest position possible as a servant leader because he cares about his friends. He cares about his followers. He cares about you and how you're doing. The last few months, Dr. Brown and I have had a lot of conversations uh, on the phone, uh, in person, and on Zoom. And he may not remember this, but one of the first conversations that we had, I tried to be the best leader I could. I came up with a whole list of questions that I wanted to ask this guy that I don't know very well. And, you know, I think, are we going to be a good fit? Is he like us? Do we like him? And all of that. I had all these questions prepared. Never got to them. You want to know why? Because this guy just kept asking questions about you. And it makes me a little emotional because in the world that we live in where the fad and the trend is to make it all about you, you meaning an individual, he made it about us. And I never got to my list because he just kept asking, how's everybody doing? How's the church? How are things going? What do they need? And Brian, I'm so incredibly excited to continue to serve alongside of you and to serve this family together. So thank you for accepting the call to come and serve at Hope Union. The heart of a servant leader is what allows a church to step into its calling, to get out of the way. You don't see any of these coaches running onto the field saying, no, 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 it's about me. I'm the one that made the game plan. You let the players play. You let the brothers and sisters do what they're called to do as a part of the family. You let the healthy body function in the way that it's called. And Paul picks up on this idea. He's watching how Jesus worked with his followers, with the disciples. And then Paul says this in Ephesians chapter 4, and this is a part of our reading today. So Christ himself gave the apostles and the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors. Again, the role of leaders in the church for what purpose? To equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. What is the role of a church staff? What are the role of pastors and ministers and leaders and priests in the church? It's to let the team play. It's to equip you to best lead your church. And there is no way that we could do it unless we were all in it together. We need you in the game. It's why we're doing a ministry fair today. It's why everything that we do as a church, whether it's feeding thousands of people a month or having over 25 small groups in this church, over 27 different ministries represented in the ministry fair today, even doing worship, what we're doing right now takes dozens and dozens and dozens of servant leaders. We could not do that without you. It is our role to help you lead your church to step into your calling as we do that together. In a healthy family, everyone contributes. And last but not least, in a healthy family, a healthy body, healthy team, everybody has a shared purpose. Everybody say purpose. purpose. Oh, say it like you mean it. Say purpose. 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 You look at that opening clip and you look at those stars and those athletes and those teams 
There is one driving focus, one purpose in their life. Win. Win. Be the very best that God created them to be and win. And although that is a high and noble calling, as the church of Jesus Christ, as a local church, we have a purpose that is even greater than that, an eternal purpose of literally changing people's lives for eternity. Back to our reading today in 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 9 through 10. But you are a chosen people, that you may declare the praises, this is why you were created, of him who called you out of darkness and into his wonderful light. Once you had not received mercy, but now, now you have received mercy. Don't miss it, what Peter's trying to communicate to us this morning. Your purpose will always flow out of your story. Some of you want to dismiss your past. Some of you want to, don't want to talk about the, the brokenness and the pain and the difficulties. Some of you are in the middle of that chapter of your story right now, and you're like, God could never use this. This is what Peter's saying. This is where your power comes from. This is where your strength comes from. Not in what you've accomplished, but what in Jesus has already accomplished for you. Amen? Your story produces your purpose. It flows right out of that. What is that story? That I was lost, Peter said. You were lost, and now you're found. I was blind, but now I see. I was alone, but now I'm chosen. I was in darkness, but now I'm walking in God's marvelous light. I was empty, but now I'm filled. I was dead, but now I'm alive. And I don't know about you, but that's my story and I'm sticking to it. Amen. That's all of our story, right? It's why we, it's why we worship. It's why we sing. This is my story for all of you that love the old time hymns. This is my story. This is my song praising my savior all the day long, right? This is my story and I'm sticking to it. This is who I was and this is who I am now. I'm not an individual alone. I'm a part of a bigger family. I have purpose. I have belonging. I have an identity. I'm a part of God's church. Your purpose will always flow out of your story. I got a firsthand glimpse of this. I just have to share this with you quick. A couple weeks ago, we did our annual baptisms at the river event. We go down to Raccoon River and I kind of get my inner John the Baptist on, and I come out of the woods with camel hair and eating locusts. No, I don't know. Sometime I'm going to do that. It's going to be great. Plant ourselves out there, you know, four or five feet out in the water. And one by one, men and women who have been battered and bruised by life have some pretty, pretty rough pasts and stories come out and are washed in the waters of baptism in the new life of Jesus Christ. Two weeks ago, 19 of your brothers and sisters of Christ were baptized into new life in Jesus Christ. And as incredible as that was, as amazing as that was, there was a whole bunch of you that just came to cheer them on. Now watch for those things because it shows your heart as a church, because you're an incredible church. And you showed up in the heat of a Sunday afternoon at Raccoon River Park and stood on a hot sandy beach and cheered over and over and over as they came up out of the water. And I was walking back with one lady, one of you that came to cheer on, and I said, why, why did you come today? I'm just curious. And she's come almost every year. Why did you come today? And she said, because their story is my story. Because I was once lost, and now I'm found. And when something incredible is happening in your family, 
you show up. Amen? Just like when something incredible is happening today, you show up. That's why you're here. And then it hit me again. Your purpose always flows out of your story. Don't dismiss the previous chapters in your life because God was there the entire time. And you may not know how he's going to use that. But your purpose, our purpose as a church and the history of two churches coming together under one name, the name of Jesus Christ, our purpose will always flow out of our story that there is one faith, one God, one baptism, one Lord who is over all and in all. That's who we are. And that purpose is the same no matter what role you play on the team. The story goes, and I don't know if I'll exactly get it right, but the legend goes that in 1962, as JFK was touring NASA for the very first time and, and really exploring what space travel could look like, him and his entourage of the Secret Service were getting ready to leave. They were walking out the back door, and JFK's eye just caught down at the end of a dark hallway. There was a single lone janitor that was mopping the floor. And so he decided, let's go that way. And so the entire 20-person Secret Service entourage goes down this way, and he runs into this janitor that's mopping the floor, minding his own business, and kind of startled and looks up, and there's the President of the United States. And JFK says, excuse me, sir, could you tell me what your role is here at NASA? What do you do here? And without hesitating, that maintenance worker looked up and looked the President of the United States in the eyes and says, I am helping put a man on the moon. In the kingdom of God, there are no small things, only the king's things. And whatever you do, and whatever part of the body, whatever member of the family, whatever role that you play on the team, it matters. It matters. And Hope Elam, we have a purpose. We have a vision that is even greater, a shared purpose holding us together that's even greater than putting a man on a moon. We have a vision as a church. If you needed a reminder, let's look at it together. This is our vision. Let's read it nice and loud. Powered by the Spirit to bring Christ to all cultures, revive the world with God's love, and make heaven more crowded. I don't know about you, but that is a vision worth living for. Amen? That is a vision worth giving your life to. That's a high and noble calling. <laughs> a shared purpose changes everything. And a shared purpose can unite even the most diverse of crowds. Have I mentioned that I'm excited for football season? One of those things that gets me every single year is when you either watch a game at Kinnick in the stadium, and I'm sorry, I'm not trying to make it all about the Hawkeyes, but this is, too, this is too good. There's a little tradition that was started a few years ago called the wave. And you might think, oh, it's just about the wave, it's just this cute little thing, it's just a football game. I think it is a beautiful picture of when a massive crowd filled with diversity finds its power and its strength in a purpose greater than itself. Take a look. What can unite an entire crowd, a stadium of 70,000 plus people <laughs> filled with young and old, rich and poor, black, brown, white, city and suburb, Republican and Democrat, 
the same thing that can unite a church on the corner of 25th and university as well, that can unite this crowd. A shared purpose, yes, of bringing hope to kids and families that are struggling, but even deeper than that, a shared identity, a shared ownership, and a shared purpose of reaching out to the world around us and sharing the everlasting love of Jesus Christ and changing people's lives for eternity. Hope Elam, it doesn't get any better than that. It doesn't get more important than that. The power of that moment and the power of this moment right now here today comes not in each of us as individuals, but in us as a team, accomplishing that vision together. And we will seek and strive to be as faithful of leaders as we can for you. But our job is to get out of the way because in a healthy church, everyone plays. Amen? That's why you're surrounded by all of these banners today. There's dozens more in the lobby as it just so happens. Dr. Brown and your installation Sunday, we're having a ministry fair. And I was like, oh no, do we need to cancel it? No, let's not cancel it because the reason that we're here is to help you lead your church, is to help you get in the game. And that's what today is about, is stepping into your calling. You are servant leaders. You're an incredible church. You're a royal priesthood. Everyone plays at Hope Elam. And so sometimes people get the wrong idea about ministry fairs. They come into big churches like Hope Elam and they look around and say, oh, there's a big building and all these people. And one of the biggest misperceptions is that people walk in and say, wow, look at all these people. I'm sure they've got it all covered. Well, let me just burst your bubble. We don't. We're a mess and we need your help. We're anything but perfect, and we need you in the game, and we need every single person. And some people have, John, it's just not the right time for me to get involved. It's just not right, not right season. I'm looking for a sign from God. There's 27 of them posted all the way around the church today. Signs from God calling you into the game. This is who you are, and this is my challenge to you today as we close is to go around. In fact, if you're one of those leaders, you can stand up. If you've got your clipboards, a lot of them are in the lobby. You can go to your spot and they're gonna be out there and in here and all over the church. You go to your spot and I will challenge you with this. Some of you are thinking, no, breakfast is calling. It'll be there, okay? Some of you are saying, I wanna greet Brian, Natasha and their family. They'll be there as well. They'll be down in the commons and you can greet them as well. But here's my challenge to you as you do that. These people that are getting up and walking around and they have their clipboards and everything like that, they're going to the different booze, the ministry areas. My challenge to you is to go up and just take one step to just learn more. Hey, Corey, (laughs) to take one step. And I will tell you this, Corey, this is included for you too. Those folks walking around and going to their spots right now, they're my heroes. They're absolutely my heroes. They're incredible. And without you, without those servant leaders, we could not be who we are. Give them a round of applause as the leaders of this church. You're incredible. We're so thankful for you. Just take one step. Just one step. You got multiple things you can do as we close today. But I would encourage you to go up and at a bare minimum, Find one of these leaders here, all the way down the lobby, all the way down, standing next to you in line at breakfast. You got plenty of time. Say thank you. Go up to one of these leaders and simply say thank you. Say thank you for leading our church. Thank you for stepping out in faith. 
Thank you for not being on the sideline, but for being in the game and stepping in to this calling. Thank them. If you're new today, the New to Hope Elam Center is right out and to your right. Go to the ministry fair. It's all over the place. Dr. Brown and Natasha and their family will be down in the commons. You can greet them on your way in to breakfast. If the line for breakfast goes outside, just enjoy the beautiful weather and thank God that you're a part of a growing church. Amen. So that's what we're going to do today. And it'll just give you extra time if you have to wait in line to meet somebody new. Hope Elam, would you stand up? Let me say a blessing over you today as we close and then we'll get to it. So many incredible things going on today, but be reminded that you are the priesthood of all believers, that you are servant leaders, you are God's people, you are chosen, you are loved, and God did not call you here today to leave you the same. Hope Elam, the best is yet to come. And God is capable of doing immeasurably more than you and I could ever ask or imagine. Because you never know when God might be calling you into the game. Hope Elam, now that you've come to worship, go and be the church. God bless you. We'll see you next week. Thanks so much for joining us. To find out more about Hope Elam, follow us on Instagram at hope.elam or visit our website at hope-elam.org.